Welcome to the China Institute podcast, China Matters. I'm your host Jia Wang. Today, my guest is Mark Rosewell, aka Da Shan. Mark is known as the most famous foreigner in China, where he has been a popular media personality and a cultural ambassador for 30 years. In addition to this English interview, please also check out our conversation in Chinese. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the China Institute. Who's Mark? I'm Dashan. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> If you say Mark, people won't know who I am. It's great to be here. Thank you so much、uh, for being with us. So you were known as the most famous foreigner in China. Over one billion Chinese audience knows you. And how did you first come to China? And what made you really want to become a performer on stage? Oh boy! Well, what?、Uh, what? The first question first: How did I get into Chinese, or why, how did it get to China? I I really I grew up in Ottawa.、Uh, didn't learn a word of Chinese before I was 19, and、uh, it's really just sort of a sense of wanderlust, right? You、uh, you want to leave the nest, you want to explore the world, you want to spread your wings, you want to learn about something a little bit different than your direct experience, and.、Um, So I don't know why I became curious about、uh, Chinese. I mean, if you look back in time, that's 1983, 1984. Reform and opening in China is really just starting to take off, and you know,、uh, Deng Xiaoping is the Times Man of the Year, and people are talking about how the 21st century belongs to China, and the dragon has awoken. So I became interested and curious, and just thought I'd like to learn something totally different. And、um, and、uh, I, the more I did it, the more I I enjoyed it. So I I ended up majoring in Chinese studies, did a four-year degree at the University of Toronto, applied for the CCSEP, which is a federal government、uh, exchange program, and was sent to、um, Beijing University in the fall of 1988. And I really just thought, you know, I've been at university, I've been studying Chinese. That's a fun thing to do. It's not very practical, but. You know, a university degree isn't going to get me a job anyway, so I might as well have some fun with it.、Um, and I'll go to China for a year, and I'll sort of wind up this stage of my life, and then I'll find something else to do. I'll I'll start getting serious about a career. But within two months of arriving at、uh, Beijing University, a chance opportunity, and I was on TV and uh, uh, first hosting a program, and then performing a comedic skit, and th- that's when Dashan was born. That's when I. Mark ceased to exist, and I became Dashan, and uh, and uh, I just sort of、uh, felt that that was—I don't know if it's a calling or that's more of a religious concept. I guess it's just that was a great opportunity、uh, to do something between China and the West through this opportunity I had、uh, working in Chinese media and and being something of a public figure in China. So it's really just been a step at a time. Wonderful. So、uh, when you were in China, of course, you already spent. Uh, almost three decades、uh, being this cultural ambassador. Uh, so, uh, because your China experience, your China trip essentially launched you into stardom.、Um, if there's a Canadian students come to you, Canadian university students come to you and ask, "Oh, I'm thinking of maybe doing some study abroad. Maybe, maybe China, but I'm not too sure. Maybe I should go to Europe. It's safer、uh, or easier." What would you tell them? Well, boy, if it's a choice between China or Europe, I mean, you really,、uh, you know, the language ability is important. So, if you're going to China with no facility in Chinese language, you can do that, and you can learn a lot in a year.、Um, but, you know, obviously, if you're thinking about study in China, for the most part, you're you're a China 
student, right? You're, you're learning the language. Uh, actually, I have to catch myself there because I know nowadays there are much more exchange programs where, because China is a leading country, you know, some of these are the, some great universities in engineering and, and high-tech AI and all these kind of things. So I'm not necessarily going to China to learn Chinese anymore, but the more Chinese you know, the better. And um, I don't know, I mean, I love Europe too, but I think one thing I found fascinating about China is that on one hand, it has the attraction of being one of the great ancient civilizations of the world. But on the other hand, it's a really young society and you really feel the energy there. Everything is new, everything is uh, moving fast. I mean, you spend a year or two in China and you come back to Canada or, or the Western world and there's lots of things about our society you think are really a couple of steps behind China. They're moving so fast. High-speed rail, uh, I mentioned AI, um, you know, um, mobile internet. A lot of those things, they're ahead of us. So in that sense, you get that balance of, you know, splendid uh, uh, traditional culture, but a really vibrant young society and, and, you know, a society, a country that is changing the world. So France and Germany and, you know, those are great places. Rome and Paris, those are great places to go. But, you know, is, is the world of tomorrow being created in Rome or Paris? Probably not as much as Beijing or Shenzhen, you know, so go to Shenzhen. So now it has become an all roads leads to Beijing situation. Yeah, sort of, yeah. So uh, it's uh, you have been a uh, Canadian goodwill ambassador to China since 2012. Uh, so a lot of people probably would wonder, what does this role entail? Like, what do you actually do? So that's the thing. I have to. It's it's not so much a role as an honor or a. I mean, I I sort of feel you know I I became famous through a chance opportunity and through doing comedy and uh, and whatnot, but also sort of continuing that into non-comedic roles. So being an MC, uh, I uh, you know I I very early on tried to because as a as a celebrity you get all kinds of opportunities come to you now and it's sort of uh, you control the way you develop simply by saying yes or no to the opportunities that come I mean I I sometimes had ideas of things I wanted to do but I soon realized you know my ideas it's much easier to take somebody else's project uh, and so that's how do you kind of control your career path as a freelancer is simply by saying yes or no yes to this opportunity no to that opportunity and uh, the way I judged that myself was simply seeing or determining whether or not an opportunity fitted into this idea of showing Dashan or making use of the character Dashan or the public image of Dashan in some way that bridged cultures. So it had to be some kind of cultural ambassador kind of role, whether that's through comedy or even doing a commercial advertisement or doing an educational program, doing a charity thing. It all had to fit into that kind of framework and so that's how I developed a reputation as the sort of an East meets West cultural ambassador. So 2012 isn't really appointing me to a position, it's just recognizing the work that I've already been doing and sort of giving official recognition and saying you know keep going and so that's what I've done. People, people invite me to events, I have to often say no to these events and they all say oh you're the goodwill ambassador you must come to my event. I said no 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 really. My work as a cultural ambassador or as a goodwill ambassador is a recognition of the stuff I do, it's my work, it's my, my performing, my whatever I do. Um, it's not a ceremonial role like a member of parliament or something just showing up at a banquet and saying a few nice words, that's not what I do, I, I, I work as Dashan and uh, 2012 that was a really nice recognition 
you know, I've, I'm here at the University of Alberta to receive a, an honorary doctorate. And again, that's a recognition of the work I've done to date, but it's also a way of encouraging you to keep going. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's how I see the role. I, I, we're, anybody who works in a foreign culture is a cultural ambassador. You're an ambassador for your culture. Anytime you step out of your own cultural bubble. And so I just try to do it in my own way. And, you know, like I said, everyone's a cultural ambassador. As long as you're out of, outside of your own cultural bubble, you're a cultural ambassador. It's just that I do it through media and performing in a much more kind of public way than, than a lot of other people. Many, many uh, platforms, and you have actually over 3 million Weibo followers yeah. <laughs> in China. Yeah. One of them probably really... Numbers are always crazy <laughs> in China, yeah. Very much so. Um, you, you mentioned East meet West, of course. Um, but many in Canada and, and also in the Western world um, maybe tend to focus more on the differences, differences of values, differences of the Chinese culture, yeah. uh, how it's so different from the Western culture. And you now live in uh, Canada for half a year and then maybe China for half a year and you're actually uh, married to a Beijinger. <laughs> um, so how difficult it is for you to, say, identify uh, some common grounds, maybe some shared interests yeah. and, and values? Well, this is my, sort of my, one of my pet peeves is that we treat cultural difference like it's a problem. You know, can you imagine a world where there was no cultural difference, where we are, we're all one unified culture? I mean, that, what, a, what a horrible, actually terrifying world that would be. Um, so cultural difference, you know, cult differences attract. If there was no cultural difference, why would I study Chinese in the first place? You're, you're, it's the difference that attracts you. You're studying the difference, right? And it's the difference, the, it's the, difference that, uh, that the value is in the difference. That's not a problem. Uh, and, then, and, and also when people talk about cultural difference, my, uh, my reaction now is to kind of say, so what? You know, why, like, well, um, we try to make the differences sound like they're night and day, like they're black and white, but they're, they're really not. You know, I find this on, on both sides. I'll, on another pet peeve I'll, I'll mention, this whole idea about values, that there are Chinese values or Western values. Um, and, you know, in Canada, as a very diverse and young and immigrant society, we're always trying to de define what our values are, right? We, we always want immigrants to sort of, you can be from anywhere, you can bring your cultural history and everything, but you have to accept our values. You have to accept Canadian values. Okay, so then we'll sit down and we'll define what are Canadian values. And the definitions are always ridiculous. The definitions are always like, love your mother and be, you know, work hard and... Uh, be good to your kid. Be a good person. That's a Canadian value. And you know, okay, sure, that's a Canadian value, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty well. Uh, but, you know, I, and I stumble on the word universal values because, of course, in China now from the other side, universal values has become kind of a taboo word. We're not, they're, we're not supposed to have universal values. That's sort of a Western thing. Western values. We, we don't, you know, we have Chinese values. We have our traditional values. So, okay, the same exercise. Let's sit down and analyze and define what are our Chinese values. And if you look now, there, the, there's a very specific definition in China about these 16 uh, phrases or, uh, that, 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 define the, uh, that define modern Chinese socialist values. I swear, if you took that list and you showed it to any Westerner, I mean, you could take it to a Trump supporter in Midwest America and they would they would agree with every one of those it's all about patriotism work hard be good to your parents love your children I mean these are not unique Chinese values either um, so you know for instance we talk about filial piety well that's a very kind of Chinese word 
But do Westerners not love their parents? Do they not respect their parents? Do we not respect age and, you know, no society is perfect, but every society holds that as sort of a general value. So I, yeah, I think the differences are much greater than we make them out to be. And there's, you know, there's, there's much similarity. We have different ways of expressing things. The language barrier is a huge barrier, but, uh, but, and you know, we have a sense of identity, right? We have a sense of tribalism. We have my, my group and your group. Um, but actually, you know, the cultural differences aren't that difficult to overcome. I would agree. Um, in your view, how does the Chinese public, you work with a lot of people, uh, you were uh, met by a lot of Chinese uh, audience uh, all the time. So uh, what do you think uh, people really, how they see Ch uh, Canada, how they see... We're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Canada in general, and China is no exception. We have a we have a good reputation internationally as being uh, a nice place, a little cold, uh, but you know, friendly people. I think China, uh, Canadians, especially in China, have a reputation for being uh, culturally adaptive because of uh, you know the 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 previous generations ex um, example of Norman Bethune, of somebody who came and made the Chinese cause his own cause. So he became a symbol of internationalism of transcending national boundaries and, and ethnic um, distinctions. Um, and, and, you know, in, in our time, I, I, the work that I've done has somehow, or as, to a certain extent, built on that legacy. The Canadians, you know, tend to, I think we have the reputation of being more adaptable, uh, tend to have, we speak Chinese better than the Americans. Can I just, can I just blurt it out like that? You know, of all Westerners, Canadians speak the best Chinese. <laughs> And so there's that kind of reputation. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not fair. I mean, we're not, you know, Americans are nice too. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, yeah, we have a, we have a, a good reputation, but uh, we're also not considered really a serious player in just about any field. So, you know, the world doesn't revolve around Canada either. And I think we have to, we have to remember that, you know, Chinese aren't waiting for us to do anything. You know, we're just one of, of many countries. Um, so, but I think in general, a very positive reputation, of course. So you have accompanied many uh, Canadian prime ministers on trade missions to China over the years, and you probably are a careful observer of the Canada-China relations and actually a practitioner uh, in helping uh, with that relationship. Um, so what do you see as um, perhaps the, the future of Canada-China relations in your view? And and is there something that we are not doing right, uh, maybe should be done differently when it comes to this relationship? Oh boy, so I have been in, involved uh, in a peripheral way anyway in every uh, state visit from Canadian Prime Minister to, to China since 1994, the big Team Canada led by Jean Chrétien. And a lot of the, I think, I think all of the state visits anyway from, from China to Canada, not necessarily on a ministerial level or, or anyone, up to at least any every Canadian prime minister visiting China, up to Justin Trudeau's most recent visit, and I uh, have to take this opportunity to point out that visit didn't go very well, did it? They didn't. Uh, they came out kind of disappointed, and I hope they realize that that's because I didn't host any banquets for them. Uh, I think that's a that's a you know Dianjingzhibi, right? That's that's painting the. Eye on the dragon's eye. You you missed the yeah, that detail. Oh. 
anyway, no, I, I'm, I'm always honored to be involved in those and, and to celebrate the relationship. Of course, my work is done uh, on a non-political level, on a non-state level, really trying to reach people. It's, it's really trying to reach audiences, reach ordinary people. Um, I don't know, the, the, the relationship, of course, will be multifaceted. It's very, you know, for instance, the people-to-people relationship between Canada and China is, is deep and diverse, right? I mean, there's so many Chinese Canadians and there's so much that goes on between Canada and China that doesn't go through the bilateral relationship. Uh, but I think, of course, the relationship will, will have its problems as well. It'll be, it'll be difficult and diverse, and I hope we can just you know, approach those rather than just pretend they don't, they don't exist. So as open a dialogue as possible. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I just try to focus on my little niche and, and, and make sure I'm, I'm uh, doing my part. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Okay, it was my pleasure. <laughs>